Hi everyone and welcome to the NFNL podcast, another big edition coming up. I'm Samuel Zito, joined as per usual by Jordan Kunellis. Jordan, weather conditions were far from ideal to say the very least at the weekend. It was a wild winter's day in Melbourne and it caused some big upsets right throughout the Northern Football Netball League in our senior men's competitions. Pretty remarkable what took place over the weekend. Absolutely, Samuel. Good to be back for another week. That was uh, that was crazy that weekend. The weather was wild, as you said. Um, we know that once you get into to June and July, and we've pretty much hit the halfway mark of the year. I think, in fact, we have hit the exact halfway mark of the year in, on the day we're recording on the Monday. Um, uh, and we know that this time of the year, normally we get into the to the middle of winter, and it's always the 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 sluggish grind of the season. We have to sort of power on through it. But I didn't. I don't think anyone expected the weather we got on the weekend. Um, I don't know how much sense we can make of the football we saw on the weekend because of the conditions and how chaotic it made everything. Uh, I don't know. I think form just sort of goes out the window at that point. You just It's all about which team can just sort of power on to the finish and who gets the, the lucky bounce of the footy or you know maybe the ball skids 10 metres further along the wet surface than it does the other way. So it's all just down to luck, really. Obviously, effort comes into it as well, but skills kind of go out the window in, in those conditions. But it definitely caused a lot of chaos along the uh, along the, the form lines and the results at the end of the day on, on Saturday across all three divisions. It certainly did. Um, I mean, every no one escaped the conditions. I saw vision from you know the Woodlesey Showgrounds, which had been in, in great nick, uh, great grass cover there, but you know puddles emerging on the ground. Yeah. Same at, at Lorimer. Obviously, you know heavy tracks all the way through. North Heidelberg saw uh, at their ground Shelley Reserve. You know Lowell played not score a goal. Obviously, there was wild conditions everywhere. I think. Probably for mine, <laughs> South Morang and Mernda played in the worst of it late in the game, two points in it, and basically a cyclone went, went through the yeah. ground. It, it felt like there's vision online. You can see it uh, on the NFNL Facebook page shared by you know, Sportscast Australia, but r- incredible to think that you can play in those conditions. Glad to see the back of it. I'm sure every player and coach are in the league much the same and hoping it's a bit drier going forward, but... Um, tough to, to get through. Obviously, you know, desire and the will to win is, is huge in, in those conditions. You, you're right, the skill, it basically just becomes about trying to control the footy and just get it forward, playing a game of territory. Um, you know, it's very hard to, to manage a normal game plan in, in those conditions, but still some significant stories to come out of the weekend. Any in particular for you that, uh, that spring up? There's a couple across all three divisions. Obviously, the weather uh, meant that a lot of the underdogs got up on the weekend, but one for me which um, ha- wasn't just one on the weekend, but has been brewing over a couple of weeks, is is Heidelberg West. Uh, they lost to Kilmore on the weekend, which I think was um, that was the result that was the, the favourite result to happen. Uh, but Kilmore beating Heidelberg West by about 40-odd points, 47 points it was. Um, uh, and that just that pushes Heidelberg West down to sixth. They're below Myrna now on the table. They're only just above... Uh, old Eltham Collegians by a, a couple of games, so they won't probably drop down any, any further than six, I'd imagine, but their season has derailed a little bit after the start they had where they, they won, I think, the first four games in a row or something like that, and, and they were looking like they were going to be in the top three, maybe top four at worst, and make finals. Um, the, the back end of their season so far, or the second half of their season so far, has just gone off the rails. They've got Reservoir next week, so maybe that can put their season back on track, but uh, yeah, I just uh, hate to start on a downer, but it's, it's unavoidable. Heidelberg West, they, they should be playing better than this, but their season has just gone off the boil a little bit. For mine, I think um, the form of St Mary's 
had indicated they were maybe half a chance against Banyul. Few would have given them that when you look at the ladder and Banyul was undefeated. St Mary's had only won one game but had pushed some sides inside the top four in recent games. Kicked poorly at goal. You thought if they could correct that, maybe they were half a chance. It was If ever they were going to beat Banyul, that was the opportunity. The Bears had a few key players out of their lineup uh, on the day as well. So the opportunity certainly presented with the likes of uh, you know Brent Stanton not being part of the Banyul lineup on the day. Um, a host of under-19 players coming in f- f- for the game. Um, Daniel Camilleri, Devin McDonald also out. So, but they you know more than matched Banyul and went on to record one of the upsets of the season. St Mary's prevailing by 13 points. We'll have a chat later in the program with Fab Corelli, the coach of St Mary's, but remarkable to think that Banyul's winning run comes to an end against a side that going into the game, <laughs> and still is, second bottom of the ladder. Pretty remarkable, but I guess the conditions as well on the weekend made it more conducive for, for upsets to occur. Last two Division Three Premiers as well, going head-to-head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously now in very different stages of their yeah. club development. Banyol went straight into second division and, and contended from the start, obviously went and, and heavily recruited uh, in the last couple of years, a really well-run club, and, and they're right at the top end of the ladder. St Mary's relying more of, on their youngsters developing through through the club, but um, the Borough at two and seven, I think that for mine that their win loss record doesn't do them justice. But there was you know upsets all the way through second division, and obviously yeah. kudos to Epping, which we'll discuss later, who got its first win of the campaign as well. We're going to jump straight into things in Meadows Greyhounds Division One. And as we always do, first we'll look back at the weekend results. Round 10, Northcote Park 7-5-47, lost to West Preston Lakeside 13-7-85. Greensborough 10-9-69, defeated McLeod 2 goals 6-18. Montmorency scored a crucial win 13-13-91 over Hurstbridge 5-7-37. Bundura didn't kick a goal after quarter time, losing 3-11-29 to, North, uh, to Heidelberg, rather 11-12-78. And North Heidelberg, as we said from the outset, 8-5-53. Kept Lowell Plenty out in a lockout. Zero goals, 1-1. Jordan, I've gone back to the record books. Mm-hmm. As you would uh, you would normally think that the score of just one behind for the day might well get you in the unwanted records. Lowell Plenty's avoided that. Um, looking back at the lowest score ever recorded in Division 1, you can only get lower than one behind, and that's yeah. not scoring. And looking back at the records, Diamond Creek, unfortunately for them, achieved that in 1960. So they scored nothing in a 176-point defeat. There's also been a few, uh, looking back, there, that occurred in uh, in second division um, you know, in the 80s. There's even one in 2004 where McLeod didn't score... Uh, sorry, in 1995, McLeod didn't score uh, against Altham. Watsonia didn't score against Lather in 2004. So... That it isn't the lowest score, but having said that, uh, not ideal to only score one point. Conditions yeah. certainly played the part, but a big bounce back from North Heidelberg. But what do you take on, on what occurred in round 10 in, in Division 1? I think it's the lowest score I've seen anyway in the last couple of years. Well, the one, only one I can remember that was even close was when um, Laylor on... Anzac Day a couple of years ago took on Diamond Creek and didn't score a goal. I think six behinds oh, yeah. they kicked on that day, but I don't recall any others where the mm. side didn't kick a goal. Might be um, sure to be yeah, stand corrected on that one there, but in recent memory anyway, certainly the lowest score we've seen. Mm. Uh, for Division One the, on the weekend, I think the game that we saw on the, on the match of the day was was actually uh, was a telling one. Heidelberg getting uh, getting the win over Bundura at Yulong Reserve after Bundura had started really well first quarter, scored the three goals, 
as you said, didn't score any further after that. And Heidelberg, they looked good after the... I mean, as, as good as you can in the wet conditions, but they looked all right in, in, the, in the game. Um, really impressed by, by, the, by the whole team, the whole team effort of, of Heidelberg. Um, they've, got, they've got game winners right across the ground. In defence, Tom Sullivan had a great game across the back line. Josh Gribben did his job down in defence as well. Um, Daniel O'Dwyer stopped Gary Morkoff for most of the day. In midfield, the, the whole brigade of midfield is just impressive. They've got all these young players in there. They've got some new players uh, who are in sort of their prime age. Um, and they've got a deep deep list as well, which which is so impressive. I mean, you look at the players who didn't play on the weekend for the Tigers. Aaron Crisp wasn't there. He's one of the premier defenders. Fletcher Carroll wasn't there. Sam Grimley, their leading goal scorer, wasn't there. Will Knight, Christian Bike, Smith wasn't out. Uh, Harrison Payne hasn't played much as a VFL player, but if he does come back in, that'll be a huge boost for the Tigers. Um, and, and that sort of, but but they didn't really look like they had dropped a step with those players being out. So that tells you that Heidelberg West, uh, sorry, pardon me, Heidelberg, the Tigers have a pool of about you know 28 to 30 players, so they can probably rotate through that team, and and the team won't really um, deteriorate too much in terms of quality. So very impressive from Heidelberg. Um, and and what a great ruck battle we saw in the day as well. Sam Gilmore, who is, uh, has plenty of VFL experience, against Matt Dennis, who we know is, is a champion of the NFNL, three-time Rosbrook medalist, going head-to-head. And I think I made a point during the call that it's a great day, even though the weather was crap, it's a great day to see two Premier Ruckmen battle it out because there are a lot of stoppages. They're very evenly matched, and so we can sort of get a gauge of how these two Ruckmen try and work each other over in the match. I thought they were both good. We gave uh, Sam Gilmore the player of the day, which was absolutely merited. I don't think he did anything super outstandingly better than Matt Dennis. He just worked harder than, than Matt Dennis on the day, worked around the ground. Um, and in the end, Heidelberg ran away with it in the last quarter. And uh, in, in what was what's generally a low-scoring day across the board in all three divisions, Heidelberg pulled away and, and put on a pretty good margin at the end, which helps their percentage and takes away from Bunduras. Yeah, eight goals in the last quarter unanswered. They actually kicked 11 unanswered after Bandura kicked the first three goals. So Heidelberg, pretty dominant. I think in the second and third quarters, it's funny, I say dominant. They didn't lead until the two-minute mark of, of the last quarter. But um, for mine, they had the upper hand in the second and third quarters without being able to put it on the board. Very hard day to score, but Heidelberg marching on. Greensboro continued its winning run. The Borough now up to 10 straight wins um, against McLeod. Pretty convincing there as well for Greensboro. Never looked... In, really troubled in the game, kicked the only four goals of the first half and, and went on for another re- resounding victory there. The Borough are flying. McLeod, well, they started the round in sixth. They've now gone to eighth, but they remain only two points outside the top five. So in terms of the difference between them being in the five and not in the five, um, doesn't change at, at all. That's because Northcote Park lost the game, the Cougars six losses in a row. It's becoming, or well, it's more than becoming worrisome. It is worrisome for them. They conceded the first five goals of the game, managed to actually square proceedings by early in the third quarter, kick six of the next seven goals, but then thereafter were outscored seven goals to one, and the injuries piling up as well. Lost Ash close during the game with a hammy. Lockie Boscarini re-injured his as well, and also Jackson Starsevich um, was lame on the day and, and, and barely figured. So they've gone down, but 
on the flip side, West Preston Lakeside, four straight wins. It's not often a side starts Norton six and is in the five by round ten. It's that kind of yeah. year. You even look at their standings right now, and they are four and six without with a percentage that's at 92. You wouldn't often be in the five, but it's just that kind of year we've had where the top two have been so dominant. Um, but they're looking the goods all of a sudden, and on the weekend they've done it without some key players in the side. Liam McVeigh came out. Also didn't have Michael Marotta and Nick Kemp who featured the week prior, but four straight wins heading into taking on Greensboro this weekend, which is of course a massive challenge on the Sunday. But the Roosters, they're very much alive again in 2019. The season is their, their season is looking a lot like last year. Actually, they were after round 12. The, the Roosters were six and six, and they were just on the just in the middle of the table, bottom end of the top five at best. And then after round 12, round 13 onwards, they won nine of the next 10 games, only losing the uh, the qualifying final against North Heidelberg, but they got them back in the prelim. So uh, West Preston, they know how to do it from this position. I think this year they probably started a bit lower than what they were last year because they didn't win a game at the start of this season. They had a few by uh, by the first month last year. Um, but they do know how to, how to come back in a flurry in the second half of the season. And uh, and they're looking good. Rob Mayorana's he is he's constructing a a good season again for the Roosters. Um, we saw them not too long ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, all of their 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 key players are having uh, big stakes in the match. Um, and I yeah I, I like the look of of the Roosters. They're looking good. On the flip side, uh, Northcote Park. In seventh, they've lost the last six games in a row. Is it season over for the Cougars? Well, at the moment, they've gone outside of the top five for the first time all year, and they're going to need something pretty remarkable to to turn it around from here. Obviously, depth the the key issue for them. Um, unfortunately, you know, a couple of weeks ago, their reserves you know had to forfeit without uh, having you know just they were hit by injuries on that particular week and illness and and didn't have a reserve side to play. So they've got obviously concerns there, but the form line would would be the the major worry. You can have all the effort in the world in the world, but at the moment don't have the cattle to to be able to produce a win. And at the weekend, you know, scores only two goals in it. I think going into time on in the third quarter, but couldn't stick with the Roosters thereafter. The loss, while, I mean, you look at the, the, the final score and it's a 38-point defeat, it's actually their closest loss in that run of six, so I guess the alarm bells have certainly been there for some time, and for them, obviously, they're still very much in finals contention, given their only percentage out, but a lot would have to change, and um, for them, you know, the, the threat is obviously at the bottom end as well, the fact that, you know, sides that are ninth and 10th have still been able to win games this year, so they've got a, that worry in the back of their mind as well. Just uh, going to another side that's... Oh, one I, last I was point. just going to say, Northcote Park might have a few opportunities in the next few weeks. So they've got Bandura in the next round who have uh, lost four of their last six, I believe, uh, the Bulls. So they're, they're out of form as well, Bandura. Haven't had a home win in a little while. They've lost their last three home games now, the Bulls. Um, and uh, Northcote Park do play them at Yulong next week. And after that, they've got... Montmorency and Lower Plenty. If they can't get a couple of wins there, then I think we definitely know where Northcote Park are, and that's not making finals. Yeah, as I said, for mine, lots has to change from here, and those players we mentioned who were injured at the weekend, if, if they're long-termers as well, um, yeah, they're going to need something pretty uh, pretty remarkable going forward. Looking at uh, one of the other sides, you mentioned there that Northcote Park takes on in a, in a few weeks' time. Montmorency, who is the real Montmorency? We've been they're they're the side I can't work out in 2019. Not just 2019; it's been that way for the last maybe three or four years. It's it's remarkable to think that they've went into the game against Hurstbridge at the weekend for mine. Even 
they were, they were at home. I thought Hurstbridge would, would win that one there, given the form lines of the two sides. Mont's had a couple of chances at times in the year to jump into to the top five if they had been able to produce wins. Each time they've they've lost that game, um, but on the weekend, pretty you know pretty re- or really good win in, in the end to to Downhurst Bridge. Um, that win meaning that the Magpies are back up into sixth spot, only percentage outside. Um, where where do they sit in the in this game of things? Are they good enough for the top five, or can you see them potentially being a relegation threat once again in the back half of the year? Um, I think they can make the top five, but it's going to be it's going to come up against a lot of competition. Um, if Bundura don't pick up their game in the next few weeks and um, try and try and notch up a few more wins, Bundura definitely are a threat of falling out of the top five, which would mean I would imagine one of McLeod or Montmorency. Um, they seem the only two viable options to to maybe enter the top five in the run home. Um, Montmorency definitely have the cattle. I mean, we look at their team all the time. We think, gee, they've got a they've got a pool of about six or seven players who are up there with some of the best in the competition. Four, three or four of them are absolutely elite. Well, you look at in their best players at the weekend. Jesse Donaldson again, absolutely dominant. He's having an outstanding year. He's had a great career to this point, but this might be his best year yet. Yeah. Getting over some injury concerns. He's in the best. Steve McCallum kicked three goals from the midfield. Paddy Fitzgerald kicked five. Jai Robinson amongst the best. Matt Hunt and, and one of the youngsters in, in Steph Uselak as well. I mean, when their good players are playing well, that's a, yeah. a very good list of players. Yeah. So they've they've definitely got the talent and the quality there to, to take it up to other teams and um, if they if they do that more regularly then absolutely you would say they're, a, they're not just only threatening for finals but they could possibly pinch, pinch a win in the first week and, and cause a cause a stir but it's just a matter of whether they can get that consistency down because that has been the Magpies major issue over uh, the last couple of years under the guidance of a couple of different coaches hopefully Gary Ramsey he's got the He's got the the knowledge and the um, the, the the experience of, of guiding a team in the back half of the season and really having a run at it. So maybe that this is the 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 rudder they need in in the coach. And North Heidelberg, as we said, had a, a really comprehensive win. Only conceded one behind in their win over Lowell Plenty. It was a danger game going in, and we talked about the conditions not being suitable for anyone. But the sides who are favoured have more to lose in those conditions, don't they? But North Heidelberg dominant in their win. Their first win from their past, or they had going into that game, hadn't won a game in their past three. So able to to break a losing run, obviously a draw in amongst that as well. But now they're again sitting pretty in third, six points clear of Bandura. Can there be a side to, to challenge the top three? When those three have played their best, they've been clearly a class above so far. Is there anyone that you think could contend with those three once we get to the back half of the year and, and then into finals. If this, if the trajectory of each team's season continues as it is, so if everyone sort of keeps on the same form line uh, that they have now through to the end of the season, the only team I can really see challenging would be West Preston. I think they're the team that has the quality. They've got the goal scorers. They've got they've got a star-studded midfield who have been just killing it the last couple of weeks. Matty Signorello's been, been huge for them. Luke LaRosse is in there as one of the best midfielders this season. Um, hopefully gets a gets the team of the season, Guernsey, by the end of the year. Um, that They're probably the one for me that, that could do it. Um, but at the moment, I would say those three are pretty comfortable at the top, Guernsey, Heidelberg and, and the Dogs. Um, but West Preston Lakeside, keep an eye out for them. And 
Um, looking ahead to this weekend, Samuel, there's a whole heap of danger games coming up for, for the whole competition. I think McLeod v Heidelberg, that's a that's a big one at DeWinton Park. McLeod um, will look to try and get the win there and, and keep their season alive. And hopefully with this, uh, if they can win for their sake, get a get a spot in the top five if results go their way. Montmorency, we just spoke about them um, against North Heidelberg at Montmorency Park. So they've, they've got the home ground advantage there. And then Bundura and uh, and Northcote Park and West Preston and Greensboro. Um, there's that's that's the pick of the games for mine. That's yeah. actually a Sunday game: West Preston Lakeside and Greensboro at J E Moore Park. West Preston always like to host a game on a Sunday during the the winter school holidays. So, given the fact that Greensboro's undefeated, West Preston, the reigning premier, starting to make their charge. If West Preston win this one absolutely look out. I mean, I think that you're right. I think of the sides that aren't in the three, I think they're the one that at their best can challenge those three and think, we get a good test of that this weekend. I think McLeod can as well. We're just not sort of looking at them because they're down in eighth position at the moment, but they're only two points outside the top five and if, you know, they've, they've had a couple of good results the last few weeks. Lost to North Heidelberg on the weekend, only scoring the two goals, but generally on the, the, the weight of their last month has been very positive, so they could be one as well, but... Um, West Preston may be just slightly ahead of them, but they're both pretty even. Who has the most to lose this weekend? For me, I think it's actually Lowell Plenty. Looking at Hurst Bridge, it's funny to think that two weeks ago they went into the game against West Preston and we were saying the winner could well play finals. Mm. Bridges lose that one gallantly, had some you know, really con- significant injuries in the game, then went to Mont and, and didn't perform the way we thought they would. Now, all of a sudden, they're only a game and percentage off the bottom. And when I say percentage, it's less than or just over 8%, so less than 10%. Mm. A lower plenty win means that they're, well, if it's by a sizable margin, they can jump off the bottom or potentially just move within percentage of the bridges, you think if Hurstbridge wins that Lowell Plenty at the very least is six points and percentage last and then it's a long way ahead to, to try yeah. and avoid relegation from there. For mine, the Bears have the most to lose this weekend with a loss because it probably means that they've got their work cut out to, to avoid the drop going forward, albeit it's been that kind of year where we've seen upsets coming through when, when we're least expecting them, but a loss for them puts a major dint in their hopes to play a, a second successive year in the top flight. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um yeah, Lowell Plenty, the season hasn't gone the way they would have hoped. And, and Hurstbridge, Hurstbridge are a good team. I mean, they're a good side. They had injuries, as you said, a few weeks ago. So they were running a bit short on the weekend, just gone. Um, there's a lot to lose there for Lowell Plenty, as you said. I think for me, the teams that have a bit to lose um, have it sort of stacked against them this week. So I think, as we are just saying, Montmorency, um, a team who can't threaten, but... If they don't get those results, then their season can sort of end very quickly. Um, and they've got North Heidelberg, as I said this week. Uh, McLeod, they've, they've been playing good football, and, and I do think they, they do have what it takes to beat the other sides in, in the top end of the table. That's going to be the challenge for them this weekend. They have Heidelberg. If they don't win as well, and the teams around them do, so if Monty get a get a win, an upset win against North Heidelberg, or if West Preston get an upset win against Greensboro, then McLeod suddenly find themselves a couple of games behind, and that could sort of, that then it becomes a climb for them as well, but you'd expect the favourites to win, who are the away teams. The one thing I'll say with McLeod, they play Heidelberg this week, once that's done, we've completed 11 rounds, they would have played each of the top three two times, so it's a clearer run from here, but... If they weren't to win, the fact is they've already lost to Greensboro twice this year. If they were to lose to Heidelberg, would have lost to them twice and then picked up only a draw against North Heidelberg. If you 
0-5 and a draw from playing against the top three sides. You have to query, even yeah. if you can make the five, can you actually have an impact? So a big yep. game for them and a big weekend all around. Jordan, before we close out our look at Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, we have been fortunate enough to catch up with the 2018 Premiership coach, Rob Majorana. His side starting the year with six successive losses in 2019, but have certainly turned the corner have won the past four and have moved inside the top five for the first time this year ahead of a test against Greensboro this coming Sunday. Here's our chat with Rob Mayrana, the coach of the West Preston Lakeside Football Club. Rob, your side obviously started the year Norton six far from ideal in a premiership defence, but you've won the past four games and now move inside the top five. What do you put down to, I guess, the, the change of form over the past four weeks? Yeah, good day, Sam. Thanks for, for having me. Um, yeah, definitely not the ideal start we were, we were looking for. Um, but, yeah, good to see we, we've uh, seen a shift. Um, yeah, we stayed positive throughout those games, and there were a number of reasons why we weren't getting the results, which we which were pretty honest in our own assessment during the uh, one of the bye weeks. Uh, but we stayed positive, and, and the bottom line is we worked hard, uh, stayed together, and just to reset ourselves um, moving forward. Obviously, you I mean you didn't have you know the absolute best of your players at your disposal during that period of Norton Six, and, and there's some other things that they thrown into the mix as well. But um, yeah, you know, how hard is it to, to get the players you know up and about when you're staring down the barrel and a side that's just won a premiership is all of a sudden being talked about as potentially a relegation threat? Yeah, it's a challenging situation. I mean, we uh, on the back of what we achieved last year to then uh, roll into that um, was a challenge, but. To the, the credit of the playing group, um, never really lost focus on what our objectives were um, and what we were capable of. Um, so at the end of the day, it's just rolling the sleeves up, working hard uh, and identifying some areas that we need to get better at, and they've done that. Um, but to this point, all it's really done is put us back in the mix and to be competitive and give ourselves an opportunity. Um, uh, haven't done any, any more than that at this point in time with the, the good results we've had over the last four weeks. Uh, but... Um, definitely pleased to, to see a shift in, uh, in performance and attitude. I know last year's a, a completely different scenario, obviously, especially in, in grassroots football, there's a lot of turnover in lists and, and just different things that take place from season to season. But at, uh, I guess, the, the stage of last year, I think at, at round 12, you were 6-6 six and six and then outside of the top five and obviously built towards the premiership. But as a coach, how much of, of that previous experience do you, do you then, then lean on to, to know that you can turn things around when you know perhaps they're not going at their absolute best at certain points? Yeah, I think you just got to stay calm and, and have belief um, in your group and belief in what you're doing, uh, and eventually the results will come. Yeah, last year, midpoint of the season, as you say, we were 6-6. Six and six. Again, it's a very um, competitive and even competition. So um, even this year, I mean, Greensboro are the, uh, obviously the pace setters outside of that. Um, it is quite competitive right down to, to 10th position um, this year, which is which is amazing. But, yeah, we um, just continue to look to keep doing things better, um, keep trying to motivate the group, uh, work on little things that we, we think can give us an advantage and uh, to stay true to what we uh, what we believe in. You've had, at this stage only had, I think it's seven players who have played every game this year through, um, whether that's been through injury, others uh, also at VFL um, with their selection there as well. But um, it obviously gives you the opportunity to, to look through your, your entire list and have you found some players along the way that you thought maybe at the start of the year maybe wouldn't have been part of the best 22 but have emerged to become senior players now? 
yeah, that's the silver lining, I suppose, in in what's gone on. That we've given some young kids opportunities um, that have come in and uh, shown their wares. So that's always always positive. Um, so the likes of Matty Harmon, I think, has stepped up this year. Um, some young kids, Ali Khalil, shown a little bit. Uh, Mitch Crapper's got an opportunity. Um, so there's been a few that, um, and Mitchy Tobin's improved in a lot of areas. Become a, a bona fide senior player now, so yeah, there's um, there's obviously a positive. Shawnee Shorten's another one that springs to mind as well. Uh, a young, a young kid still at high school. So yeah, in the adversity that we've had, um, good things come out of it, and you've got to sometimes lean on that. Hopefully, that will hold us in good stead moving forward, giving opportunities to, to some of these young kids. You've had to also adjust along the way. I know your ruck stocks have been hurt throughout the year. Obviously, it's a massive shame to, to not be able to have Mark Kovacevic out there. And you mentioned Matt Harmon, but he's missed the past couple as well. Are you proud of the way the group's been able to adapt? And I know at times you've had to throw players like you know Jackson Clark in the in the ruck, and, and so too Liam McVeigh. But are you proud of the way they're, they're able to adjust uh, on the go? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in this day and age, you do need to be versatile and adapt, and that's what the guys have done. So whatever roles I've thrown to them, they've, they've embraced them, particularly over the last four weeks, uh, to cover some gaps um, or, or give us a lift in some areas. So um, to the guys' credit, they, they just put their hand up to play whatever role um, we need them to, to to give us an advantage or, or to, to win us the game. So the attitude of the guys, um, I, can't, I can't question. So it's, it's been really good. Without wanting to just single out particular players, but but obviously one player who's come in about the midway point of the year um, and really helped the side out has been Matthew Signorello. Obviously spent some time on, on Adelaide's list in, in recent years, but how have you found him in, in coming back and, and playing at grassroots level? He's been great, Matty. He's um, you know, one of our juniors, uh, played there from a very young age to, to get him back after the journey that he's been on. Um, it's been fantastic. So he's uh, he's been a, a great uh, injection into the team. Um, played some really good footy, but not only that, has just really embraced uh, what we're doing and, and the playing group. So he's had a positive influence and uh, getting Garrett McDonough back into the side, Joel. McDonald, Aidan Tilly's another one. So there's been some some good names that have come in, but unfortunately, at the same time as uh, in one breath where where that happens, we we lose some out the other side with uh, through injury. So uh, look, we're still positive if we keep uh, keep uh, our guys fit and healthy, um, playing good footy, that um, we'll be able to contend or at least challenge uh, the teams that are above us and, and make it hard for them. Well, one of those comes up this week in, in form of the Greensboro Footy Club. They've won, obviously, 10 straight games so far this season, which includes, I think it's your heaviest loss back in, in Round 5 at, at War Memorial Park. But you take them on, it's a standalone game on Sunday. Both sides obviously enter in really good form, and I'm sure for, for your side, a, a really big opportunity to further push your case for a top five spot, but also, as you say, test yourself against, I guess, the benchmark side in the competition this year. Yeah, they've clearly been the best side all year. Uh, their ability to score heavily, uh, but also defend pretty hard and not concede too many uh, points against has been uh, has been really good. Um, they're very even all across the field. Uh, a really good team, and a lot of them played footy together for a long time, so they've got some good synergy. So look, they deserve to be the, the premiership favourites at the moment. Um, yeah. 10-zip at this point in time. Their reserves are also travelling well, so I think they're a happy bunch at Greensboro at the moment. They've had a pretty good run with injuries, um, so they've been able to put predominantly their best side in the park most weeks as well, which uh, which helps. But uh, no, they're, they're playing some, some amazing football and going to be very difficult to beat. 
Just looking at the ladder as it currently stands and in your fixtures going forward, I know you obviously lost the first six, but all of those sides you lost to um, you know, were, were top five sides up until, I guess, Northcote Park dropped out at the weekend. But uh, obviously, once you play Greensburg this weekend, you've already played the top two sides in, in the Borough and Heidelberg twice. There, there's some real opportunities that potentially present in the back half of the year, albeit we do know how competitive the, the competition has been so far this year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, our start to the season, just from a fixture perspective, was a challenge. Uh, we, we played the top five teams in the first six rounds, the way it uh, panned out. Um, and got to give kudos to to those teams. You know, whilst we weren't playing great football, the opposition was just uh, just too good um, in all those games. So um, yeah, we, we've we've had to, I suppose, lift our game. Um, uh, we had players that weren't playing well uh, through that patch that have now turned the corner uh, and starting to give us a, a better output, which is great. But yeah, we're not looking any sort of further than than, than this week, and be dangerous to do so. But all we want to do is just give a good account of ourselves and be competitive, uh, which we weren't doing early on the year. Uh, just the way we were losing just wasn't West Preston like. So um, to get that better contest and effort last month uh, has been the most pleasing part. Um, and we'll start with Greensboro this week, whatever, however it lands with the results. Uh, we just want to, I suppose, give a better account of ourselves than we did last time around. Well, Rob, we really appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast. For those tuning in, that is the standalone Sunday game. So it is a massive game. West Preston Lakeside hosting Greensboro at J.E. Moore Park. All the best in that one, Rob. Uh, well done on, on turning the season around and, and good luck um, in the final eight games of the season as you push for a top five place once again. Thanks, Sam. All the best. Jordan, the A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 season was turned on its head in some ways in Round 10. Upsets all the way around. We mentioned from the outset, St. Mary's ended Banyuls winning run. 8 goals, 15-63 uh, over the Bears, 7-8-50. That ending Banyuls' 8-game winning streak. We also had Whittlesey, 3 goals, 8-26, win a really dour game against Eltham in heavy conditions. 3 goals, 4-22. That's vital for Whittlesey as they push for not only a top four spot, but stay alive in the race for a double chance in the finals. Epping recorded its first win of the campaign, winning away at Watsonia. The scores there, the Saints 2 goals 6-18 to Epping 5-8-38. And remarkably, a draw at Coventry Oval. Diamond Creek and Fitzroy Stars locked at 8 goals 15-63 apiece, which is telling when you're looking at the race at the top four. Those two sides, the winner... We said it was going to go at percentage into within the top four or potentially move inside as it currently stands now. Both sides two point out and two points out and percentage probably only comes into play between those two now given the fact that the draw is now in the equation as well. But remarkable what took place across round 10 in second division. Every game in, in division two uh, this round had had uh, a bit of a story about it. There was something to, to take away from the game. There was a bit of excitement and, and it just sort of uh, enriches the narrative, I suppose, for, for Division 2 this season, which has been uh, an extremely uh, fascinating division. And, and the draw was probably on top of it all because uh, even though Diamond Creek, uh, North Fitzroy Stars are, are in the top four, they're both just outside, um, we have looked at these two teams as the two main contenders to, to trouble the top four sides. They are only, as you said, they're only two points outside, so they are right there banging on the door. Um, and we, uh, we last week we said whoever was going to win this game would would be the the team to 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 be the one who could finally maybe break through the um, the, the 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 established uh, sort of quartet at the top. 
but we have to wait a little bit longer now because there was a draw on the weekend, so we don't know which of those two sides will uh, will end up getting the upper hand. Yeah, it was a uh, bizarre kind of game. It yo-yoed around the stars on top in the early parts. Um, then it was Diamond Creek who went into half-time, 19 points ahead. Fitzroy... Which is a big lead on a wet day. Absolutely, it is. The next term, Fitzroy kicked five goals to one, then also kicked the first goal of the last quarter, but Diamond Creek kicked two goals in the last minute to tie things up there. Ryan Pingry, four goals for the day, including the last two. Um, yeah, amazing as to, to what it does now. Thomastown, probably the most relieved with that draw because it means they have... Yeah a small bit of, of breathing space now going into the second half of, of, of their campaign. We probably had one side drop out of the finals race at the weekend. For mine, obviously, Watsonia, because I think that regardless of Diamond Creek and the Stars, we'd said if they lost, they weren't completely out of finals contention, albeit it would have been very hard. Yeah. We said that, and we also said that if Watsonia had have won, they go to four games, and you have to think that they would have been in, in the mix with four wins. But their loss to Epping puts a line through them in terms of playing finals and disappointing that for them to lose but good for Epping to, to get yeah. a win and, and nice to see every side now in second division with at least one win to their name. Yeah, Epping, good win for them. Their first win of the season, first win since around 16 last year when they did beat Watsonia. Uh, they got past the Saints three out of three times last year as well um, so they've got the wood over them in, in recent times and hasn't been as good of a season for the Blues this year. They had six wins last year and they were able to trouble the the, uh, the the top contenders with uh, with some plucky performances hasn't quite been the case this season for Epping, but um, has been a, a bit of a transitional year for them. But they don't get relegated, so yeah, absolutely, and and they get another chance. So no relegation uh, this year for them. It's good to see. I mean, you look at, at the weekend. It was good to see Alec Bucken back out there. I mean, so much has, has probably been on the shoulders of the likes of Bucken and, and Lee Judd, who's had an outstanding campaign. But good to see some some others really step up and and uh, and take that game by the scruff of the neck. Thomas Burnside, named best, also took a absolute hanger of a mark uh, during that game as well. So he performed well. Sage the Cello kicked two goals. Um, Dylan Westra and also Corey Middleton amongst the, the best players as well there. So good to see the, the Blues on the board. I think no side deserves to go through any campaign without a win. They all work so hard yeah. on and off the field. So um, duly rewarded. And it was interesting because they had they really battled the week prior against Banyul, but prior to that had had three promising performances. So they perhaps were building towards a win. We maybe got sidetracked because they were blown blown away by the Banyol side, which has been so dominant this year. So if you took that performance out of it, their last month had been okay, and, and perhaps the signs were there that they were they were ready for that upset win. So I think what's only out of premiership uh, out of finals contention now, Epping, well, we know relegation isn't going to occur in second division this year, but good to see them on the mark. But if we look forward to those sides that are among the, the top four, Banyol's loss doesn't actually affect no. anything really at the top because of the fact that Altham went down. So it means that the Bears still maintain a two-game and percentage advantage at the top. You think they're probably going to finish first from here, but Altham, their loss could well be costly because not only did they lose by four points, they lose to a side that now becomes equal on points with them at six wins and three losses on 24 points, but they also pick <laughs> up some significant injuries out of it as well. Uh, we knew that um, Anton Woods was going to be away for weeks to come as well, so that's going to, to come up from from here. But then some others injured in the game included 
Um, young Jesse King, who's been in really good form. Um, Tim a Curry, for them this absolutely, as a, as a young goal-kicking uh, forward who can push up the field as well. Good Tim, skills. Tim yeah. Curry didn't complete the game, nor did Brendan O'Sullivan. So they not only lose and, and, and have Whittlesey join them on, on 24 points, but they lose some significant players from the game potentially going forward as well. The, so injuries aside, and those are unfortunate, uh, Tim Curry's had a, a really um, sort of stuttery season with injuries, didn't come into the team for the first month and a, month and a half or so and um, picked up a knock on the weekend. So uh, unfortunate for them, but if we put the injuries aside, for the neutrals, these are the sorts of results that you like seeing because this is what makes Division 2 exciting. So Whittlesey get the win, means Eltham and Whittlesey are now even on points. As you mentioned, Thomastown, who have been good this season, but the last um, last three weeks have, have been uh, haven't been as good, had a bye this weekend. Um, and now that, that, that race just tightens up a little bit, and we mentioned before Fitzroy and Diamond Creek, two points outside. So They're only six, just, six points off second, those two sides as well. Yeah, so it just makes everything more exciting in, in Division 2, and um, Whittlesey's form line this season has been, it, it has sort of oscillated a little bit, it's gone up and down, up and down, and, and they were on the up this weekend with a, with a win in wet conditions, so they now put themselves back in a good position. Um, it's just hard to get a read. I thought Eltham were going to be, after their last month, I thought they were definitely the number two team. And look, they might still be, but uh, now they've got Whittlesey on them. And, you, you know, for any Eltham player or coach who, um, you know, logs onto the website and has a look at the ladder, I'm sure there's just a little sort of a bit of nervousness maybe building in their stomachs when they see Whittlesey a level with them on points. Yeah, well, you think Whittlesey two weeks ago looked vulnerable. We were talking yeah. about them and, and thinking, where are they at? Because they were soundly beaten by... Uh, Banyul at home, 10 goals to 1 in the first half and, and they looked a, a shadow of the side we thought they could be at the start of the year in, in terms of potentially a premiership threat. Had two key games to follow that. Beat Thomastown away from home by 9 points then go home and, and beat Eltham by 4 points and they celebrated Max Dyson's 200th game in, in style with that win. So all of a sudden they've gone from being vulnerable in the four to equal on points with the side that's second. It's that kind of campaign. And, and you look at a side like Thomastown, they'll be looking at that as, as potential motivation as well. They've lost three games against sides inside the top four from their past three starts. But all of a sudden, one win can get, you know, cement you inside the four and potentially have you closing in on the top two. I think their, their quality, Whittlesey, um, the quality they have in their team has has kept them in, in good position for, for this season so far. Um, you know, they've, but by that I mean, you know, they're, they're just simply a better team than other teams in the competition. So they beat Epping at the start of the season. You know, they're a better team than Epping. They beat St. Mary's because they're a better team. They beat Watsonia because they're a better team. But look at their form line over the season, wins and losses, and you look at their, their streaks. They haven't really put many streaks together. They won two at the start of the season. So they went win-win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win-win. There's no consistency. There's no continuity there for Whittlesey. So that is important for the second half of the season. They've only got one more buy left in this season, which is another sort of month away. So the next little bit, um, they've got Diamond Creek, Epping, St. Mary's, Fitzroy Stars. I reckon that's that's the lead up to the next buy. Have to win all of them because then they go in. That's a six-game winning streak to the next buy. And that might, might be what sort of gives them that continuity and, and gives them a bit of belief and a bit of consistency heading into finals. And I guess the, the worry for, for sides now as well at, at vying for the top four is that 
you obviously those games you play against your fellow contenders are massive, but you look at sides down the bottom. What Sony has shown on on their day that they're up to it. Beat the Stars two weeks ago. I know they had an off day on Saturday, losing to Epping, but you know they've shown that their best can can contend with the good sides. St Mary's has had some really positive results in recent weeks, mm-hmm. highlighted by the win over Banyul and Epping now with a win to the name and and you know showed some some signs against some some higher ranked sides as I said before the Banyul loss. All of a sudden it doesn't seem like there's you know any genuinely easy easy victories no. so you, you just can't afford to have a mental lapse on on any given day because you might be showing up so really looking yeah. forward to what the, the final eight rounds of the year bring up no no easy wins in division two and you can sort of tell that when you look at the percentages of the teams as well there's no apart from Banyul who are on 204 there's no massive percentages Eltham 131 which is which is sort of what you'd expect for a, for a good team, but then Whittlesey, who are six and three, only have a percentage of one eleven. Thomastown are one twelve. Fitzroy Stars, who are four three and a draw, are one hundred. Diamond Creek at ninety three percent. So those percentages normally for teams that have big win losses like Whittlesey, who are six and three, normally you'd expect to see them at about one thirty one forty because that tells you they're winning by by quite a big margin or, or you know a decent margin, but uh, most weeks. But at one eleven. It means they're only just getting some wins and they're, and they're sort of losing equally back the other way. Yeah, so really big couple of rounds coming up and it starts again uh, in round 11 at Beverly Road Over where Banyul will host Watsonia. Both sides looking to get over disappointing losses at the weekend. Epping at home to Eltham at Epping Recreation Reserve. Thomastown returns to the fold when it hosts St. Mary's at Main Street Recreation Reserve. That potentially becoming a real danger yeah. game for the Bears. I think we said they have to win the next five games, I reckon. We said that last yeah. week, and, and now all of a sudden that one looks a little less clear-cut than it may, may have yeah. seven days ago. And also a massive one at yeah. Coventry Oval where Diamond Creek takes on Whittlesey. Big one. On the ladder, the sides currently sit 6th and 3rd respectively. Just 6 points separate those sides. They played in a game that was a thriller back in round 2 where Whittlesey just prevailed and you'd expect it to be equally close at the weekend. The Fitzroy Stars have the bye. So that's what's coming up in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. We caught up with the coach of St. Mary's, Fab Corelli, following his side's fantastic win over Banyul at second of the year and just sort thought got his thoughts on not only the win but also the season so far for the St. Mary's Football Club. Fab, obviously a fantastic win for your football club at the weekend, becoming the first side to beat Banyul this season. What did you make of the performance? Um, I, I was ecstatic after the game and you know, it, it we'd been building up to that win you know if you look at our last month of month of footy it was pretty good but just to get the result um for the hard work the guys have been putting in lately was fantastic for them more so so it was a good day good day for the footy club you know the twos beat Daniel as well you know, after losing to him last time so um yeah it was a really good turnaround for us um, we'll get to the performance shortly, but you mentioned about building up to it. You'd had some pretty competitive results in, in recent weeks. Um, you, you know, I know you lost to Altham the week prior, but had more scoring shots that day, right in the game, right till the end against the Fitzroy Stars, similar against Diamond Creek. And, and then prior to your bye, obviously you'd beaten Epping and competitive against Whittlesey. Um, looking at, at that form line, did you, did you take great confidence going in that you could cause the boil over? Um, oh, well, we knew we were playing good enough footy. It was just a matter of probably sustaining it for long enough, and that 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 was our problem in all of those games that you've just mentioned. You know, like you, you go back to the last six weeks, and 
as you said, we've been really competitive and probably had our chances to win games and kicked ourselves out of it on a few. So when you overall and you analyse our performance over the over the last six weeks, you know we've averaged twenty four scoring shots, and you know that's that really doesn't reflect on us being a second bottom side. But unfortunately, we didn't get the wins with those competitive efforts, and um, it just the momentum that had been building for us, and it gave us the opportunity and a bit of belief in the end, and the conditions you know, brought it back down a level, obviously, on the weekend, and um, you know, we made the most of it. Certainly conditions almost as, as tough as you could possibly play in. Obviously plenty of rain, really heavy underfoot, but even though I guess you're the underdogs coming in, you still have to also prepare for, for what's a really tough day itself as it is and, and really deal with those conditions. But you really had, um, I guess, a competitive first quarter scores a level. You had more scoring shots and you go into half time, you're, you're nine points in front having had nine more scoring shots. What's the message that comes from yourself at half time when you are ahead and then obviously sparks what's a pretty remarkable third term? Yeah, I think it was more about just for our guys to continue to believe. You know, we, we'd, we'd gone in and up at half time, obviously, and we looked at our scoring shots and we sort of said to ourselves, guys, you know, like, here's an opportunity for us to, you know, consolidate on a really good first half. We need to come out and play probably our best 30 minutes of footy um, this season to make sure that we put ourselves in a position at the end of the third quarter to really finish off the game. Um, so our boys, my boys really responded to it and it was just, it was great to watch in the end and we kicked some really crucial goals and um, that gave us that breathing space at three-quarter time. But it was their, their commitment to the footy, the contest. I think overall in the end when we analysed our stats, you know, we laid 98 tackles for the game, which was enormous in the condition. The last quarter, Banyul was always going to, to throw something back. We've, we've seen him throughout the year, particularly against Thomastown, you know, overturn a, a remarkable um, remarkable deficit and, and come from six goals down to win. They were always going to throw something at you, but your boys were able to rally and a late goal gets you the, the win. But what did you make of that last 30 minutes to hold on and, and get your second win of the year? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, in, it was pretty nerve-wracking, to tell you the truth. Yeah, our guys were out on our feet. We were two down on the bench as it was, because we'd lost um, Jacob Yeomans and Lee Minnes, um before half-time. So our boys were knew that they were they had to really just try and consolidate and make every post a winner when we went forward. And we knew they were going to come. Um, and we had some nervous moments there for, for 10 to 15 minutes. And um, But, you know, as good sides do, they, they, um, they really come at us hard, but we're able to you know, score some crucial goals late in, in, in that quarter, and obviously we kicked the first one as well, which put a breathing space there for us, but you know, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic for the effort they put in. In terms of home and away performances, obviously last year you, you crowned the year with the club's ever, first ever premiership, but in terms of home and away wins, is that as good as you've been involved with, with the club? I, I dare say it is, yeah, because um, it it's it was just a, a really good effort on behalf of our boys just to make sure that they ground out that four-quarter performance. And it, it's now given them a bit of belief to know that they are, we are a competitive team if we can get it together. And because we are a young side and, and we have moments where there's lapses in concentration and at times can cost us crucial points in games and goals. Um, it's it's a really good performance to know that you know like a win like this could propel us forward in the second half of the year. 
The start of the campaign, obviously it's the first time the, the club's come up into second division, but you had the, the loss at Watsonia to start the year and then pretty heavy defeats against Thomastown and Banyul on, on Anzac Day. But what did you you learn from those first three rounds? Because that, since, I mean, I know the win-loss record didn't state it until the weekend, but you had, as you said, you know, five really competitive performances thereafter. But those, those first three weeks, what did they teach you, I guess, about coming up and, and making the grade in, in a higher level? Uh, we pointed out a few things to us that we had a few deficiencies that we needed to work on and, and probably our fitness overall wasn't up to the standard that we needed to be at and we thought as coaches our main thing was our defensive transition when we didn't have the footy, we were pretty poor at it at that stage. Um, so we we built a few principles and um, we trained a fair bit harder in regards to just making sure we are doing the right things when we didn't have the football. Um, and just slowly that's been a build for us and where we're starting to get that right now and it's allowed us now all of a sudden to be competitive for longer in games now. So um, th- that part of our game in regards to just our defense, defensive work when we haven't got the footies, it's gone through the roof in, in probably the last four to five games and um, we just need to probably tick over a little bit harder on the scoreboard but... Now, as I said to you earlier, we've had average 24 scoring shots, so we just need to get it right in regards to the goals we're kicking now because um, I think two games this year probably really cost us with some bad kicking. Um, so um, if we can um, just now wrestle that part of our game and square the ledger the other way, I think uh, it'll give us a really good chance to maybe win a few more later on. You mentioned just a few moments ago the injury to, to Jacob Yeomans. He's been one of the, the leading players for the club this year. Can you just give us an update as to how he's tracking and then also just some of the others that you've said, that really seen make the grade in, in second division this year? Um, yeah, well, he always had a, he's had a sensational year. Like, and he's probably been one of our most consistent players um, along with um, Nick Dean who's also having an outstanding year at Sennar Ford. But Yoey just uh, was one of those incidents where he straight lined the footy on the weekend in the conditions and copped a knock in, in the wrong area of his shoulder and it dislocated. So um, how severe that is, we still don't know. He's going to have some scans. We've popped it back in on Saturday night and he'll have some scans uh, later this week to see the extent of it. But I dare say we might not see him for the rest of the year. Um, but as I mentioned before, Nick Dean's had a really consistent year at Sennar Ford and he's marking... A lot of things that come his way, along with um, one of our other young forwards and, and small player in Jackson Maltzko. He's um, had a really good year as that small, industrious forward. Puts a lot of pressure on on the way out. And then you look at all the kids that we've played over the last you know, nine weeks and there's some of those under-19s that are just having a one-year out of 19s and Mitch Green, Thomas Cantwell, Tane Cotter. Uh, Hayden Bolton's played the last three games and under-19's playing. He hasn't looked out of depth at all. So we're getting some really good value from the kids that we're bringing into the, into the side at the moment and it's, it's um, biting for some exciting times going forward. Certainly, and I guess if you look at you know right through the club, obviously the seniors finally get probably that result that they've deserved after you know going so close. But the reserve side is is also inside the top four, the under 19s. I think it's second now on the Division One under 19s ladder. What's the the mood like around camp? I guess as we go into the second half of the season. I think we've we've tried to keep it as positive as we can. Um, uh, we're we're taking the wins as we can, especially knowing that our reserves could potentially play finals. 
if we can keep a healthy list together. Um, and we knew we probably knew from the start of the year that our 19s were probably going to be right up there at, at the top end of of the Division One um, team. So it, we knew we had some good kids coming through, and, and that's made a really positive vibe around the place, knowing that you know, like if we can just have a year where we we build on this year, that going forward it could be some really exciting times for the Putty Club. Well, Fab, congratulations once again on the win at the weekend, becoming the first side to beat Banyul. Uh, obviously, it uh, can set up some, some bigger things going forward, a big game coming up uh, in your next one. You've got Thomastown followed by the Watsonia Footy Club. We do appreciate your time in, in allowing us to, to have a chat on the NFNL podcast. I appreciate that, Samuel. Thank you. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. And we'll bring things home with a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 at the weekend. Games were played across round 11 of the competition. Mernda will... All of a sudden, they're right in their finals mix with four successive wins, perhaps their biggest one at the weekend, albeit by a solitary point, beating South Morang 5 goals, 7.37 to 6 goals, 2.38. Lorimer continued its winning streak, 13.15.93, defeating Laylor 2 goals, 4.16. That was the first game for former Brisbane Lion forward midfielder Mitch Golby, lining up for the power and kicking two goals. Heidelberg West's recent struggles continued, well beaten by Kilmore, four goals seven thirty-one to six, uh, twelve goals six seventy-eight, and Old Altham Collegians registered its second win of the campaign, proving too good for Reservoir at home, eight goals fourteen sixty-two to four goals two twenty-six. Jordan, my take from the weekend is obviously Mernda, the biggest winner, given a loss would have seen them pretty vulnerable in terms of trying to play finals this year. Suddenly, they're just two points outside the top four, have a really healthy percentage, which certainly helps them uh, in their bid to at least eclipse Heidelberg West as the side trying to jump in the four. The other one I took away is that Kilmore is well and truly a contender this year. They're not just making up the numbers in the top half of the table. They've jumped to second, albeit having played an extra game than Panton Hill, have an inferior percentage to the Redbacks. But to go away from home against a side that was desperate to reverse its form and win pretty convincingly in the end by 47 points at a venue that hasn't been a happy hunting round, pretty pretty remarkable that the Blues are achieving this season. Absolutely, yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head with, with those two stories being the... The feel-good stories of uh, of the weekend in Division Three, and and um, not just feel good, but also um, I suppose pivotal in, in the race to the run home. Um, Kilmore, they are just flying under the radar at the moment, aren't they? Because Lorimer sit on top. Um, everyone takes notice of that. Ten wins, no losses for the power. Panton Hill, we know their quality, seven and two, and uh, all the, the the major goal scorers they have in the in the competition. But Kilmore, being one of the newer sides. People sort of don't know maybe where they are uh, in terms of where their quality is, but I think we definitely know now. Ten games into the season, eight and two, percentage of 168, which isn't as high as Lorimer or Panton Hill, but the results are there. They're getting the wins. They got the away win against Heidelberg West, um, and they, they're doing it consistently now this season, the Blues, and and they're looking good. It, it definitely is now, I think, a three-horse race um, in Division Three between the Power, the Blues, and and Panton Hill, the Redbacks. So Kilmore's win means that they go now to eight wins for the season. Um, if I'm right off the top of my head, that's equaled their best with still 
eight game or seven games to yeah. go as, as a, sorry six games to go obviously uh, across seven rounds they still need to take an, another bye as well but um, it's amazing what they're doing eight and two you look at their losses the first of which they were went down to South Morang when they were in front for most of the day in round one and, and then lost to Lorimer but the win against Panton Hill probably confirm them confirm them as a contender but mm-hmm. the fact they've been able to continue to build off that as well for mine really impressive um Elsewhere, I mean, good to see old Altham Collegians continue to, to rack up some, some wins. We they, That could have been a danger game. It's unfortunate for Reservoir because probably one going in, they would have thought that they're um, yeah, a chance to, to, to notch a win. But some of their players this season have come into the club, have had a, a big impact. Kieran Malone, the best player for the Turtles at the weekend, he's played at, at a higher level. And five goals, eight to, to two behind at half time. They were probably always going to get the, the points there. But I think that's the real joy of, of third division football is that sides that have battled in other competitions or even within our our competition in, in years gone by have able to go and play at the at the right level for them. They've notched two wins and a draw and some competitive losses. You look previously at sides like Kilmore have come across yeah. to our competition. Heidelberg West has gone from a side that battled to win games to all of a sudden, um, you know, this year at the start of the year, winning consecutive games in a row. And even at Panton Hill, who's who struggled in the, the last couple of years they were in second division, come down and, and really be able to, I guess, dominate the competition, but certainly one of the, the one of the better sides down there. But it just shows the strength of, of having that third division. Yeah, at St. Mary's as well, you can lump into that category. They were a new team in, in 09 and um, built their way up. And then the last, of th- or before this year, the last sort of three years in Division 3, they were a good side and then won that premiership. I think Kilmore's the best case study um, coming from, from the, the Riddle District Footy League. I think they'd won one game in three or four years coming across here. Yeah, and then they needed just a new a new start, a freshener uh, for the club and, and came to the NFNL. And as we just said two minutes ago, they're, they're a contender now for the flag, I think, in, in Division 3, Kilmore. So Old Eltham can definitely take um, can take inspiration from some of those uh, from those studies. And, um, and yeah, a good win against Reservoir. They'll... I reckon Old Eltham might be able to pinch a few more in the back end of the season. Heidelberg West in, in two weeks all of a sudden looks like a maybe a winnable game for the Turtles. And uh, they've also got Laylor and, and Reservoir again in the, uh, the the run home. So um, could end up finishing the season with maybe you know five, maybe six wins at best. And, and it will turn out to be a pretty sort of half-decent season for, for a first run at it in, uh, in the NFNL. And then who knows where they go after that because normally, as you said, new teams coming into the league have... Uh, no, second and third year, they do pretty well. Absolutely. So they've got something to, to work with going forward. Mentioned Mitch Golby lining up for Lorimer. So that's a significant in transferring about a month or two ago. First senior game, far from ideal conditions there. He kicked two goals, played 56 games at Brisbane between 2011 and 2015. I believe he's got connections, obviously, with Justin Sherman himself, yep. a, a former Brisbane Lion as well. So that's a big in as we reach the, the second half of the year. Obviously, we know Lorimer um, really vying for its first premiership at senior level in just its um, third year in, in the competition. So they're obviously strengthening their lineup. You talked about their, their strength of their forward line. It was a day that didn't really suit the forwards, yet they still kicked 13 goals spread across a, a host of goal kickers. So they're looking good. And um, obviously we've, we've touched on Kilmore, touched on Lorimer, and uh, and, and mentioned obviously Old Altham, which leaves Myrna to, to last. We talked about the importance of their win, but Low-scoring game, took their chances, only had eight scoring shots for the day, but when you kick six six goals too, you, you give yourself a chance in, in really, really trying conditions, which we mentioned from the outset. I think what makes the win even more significant for mine is they did it without 
potentially the two best players in Josh Delaney and Matt Campbell, who Campbell missed last week as well. He was hurt in the warm-up but didn't come up for this week's game. Josh Delaney was concussed also last week, so he goes out. And young Nick Alexovsky, who we've mentioned a few times in recent weeks, a young goal scorer, just the X factor in that side. He didn't, he didn't play as well. So to go away from home against the South Morang side, which had very nearly beaten the Lorimer Football Club the week prior... Really gutsy win for Mernder, and they'll have their credentials tested again this weekend against Panton Hill. I think most would expect the Redbacks to win, but you've got to give Mernder some chance now. Yeah, they, uh, each week they've beaten a progressively better team. So they started off with Eltham and Layla, then they beat Heidelberg West two weeks ago, and then South Morang on the weekend. Now Panton Hill comes up, so this is the, the ultimate test, or one of the ultimate tests in uh, Divi 3, but they've 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 taken it up and they've... they've uh, uh, sort of match the challenge that's been presented to them each week, which has gotten progressively harder, which shows good character for the Demons. And um, four wins in a row now, I was just looking back through their last couple of seasons, uh, the best winning streak they've had since the middle of last year, where they went three wins in a row twice, um, round three to five, and then round seven to ten. So that was six wins in the space of about, uh, what's that, uh, six wins in seven weeks, pretty much. So, um, and then, Prior to that, it had been a long time uh, since they'd had four wins in a row. So um, good for Munda and uh, and finally getting themselves into some good form and, and maybe looking like this season has meaning because the last couple of years, they've they've dropped off or they've fallen off the, the face of the cliff a bit too early in the season. And a lot of the times we say, oh, you know, it's it's round 13, round 14, but the season's over for Munda. Time for them to start looking ahead to next year and getting things in place. That's happened a few too many times. They don't want that to happen again this year. They don't want their season to be over a month before the season actually finishes. Um, this time, it looks like they're, they're actually creating a meaningful run at the finals, which is fantastic for the team. It creates a lot of verve for the players, and now they have the confidence behind them to actually have a good push, a real a real good crack at finals in the run home. And if you look at them, very young side, but it's also some of the recruits have brought in, in in recent years who are playing some good footy as well and, and, and providing that, that extra level uh, at the footy club. Tyson Sparks, best of field at the weekend. He just joined the club this year, as did Ryan Kanegiza. Uh, Brad Dimmock joined last year with uh, James Duclos. They were all amongst the best players in the weekend's win. So it's obviously about developing the next generation, but, but also good to see that the players they've brought in in, in recent times are having the impact that I'm sure the club would have hoped for when they, when they got them to, to transfer across. This weekend, we've got Heidelberg West at home to Reservoir at Heidelberg Park. Simply a must-win yep. for Heidelberg West from here. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, look at their, the way they've, they've performed this year, five straight wins, then followed by five consecutive defeats. So they'll look to arrest that this weekend, which is really a non-negotiable if they are to play finals at, at all this season. So they're at home. Laylor hosts South Rang. Laylor at the start of the year was showing signs of improvement but really fallen away in recent weeks. So they'll hope that they can turn things around. They actually really took it up to South Morang in the previous encounter between the sides. Lost that one by a kick away from home. So they'll pr- hope to produce something similar there to, to get an upset result but do have to improve considerably. Lorimer hosts Old Altham. Power, you'd imagine Jordan be favourite, but the Turtles haven't proven to be real easy beats at all at any stage this year. And then Mernda up against Panton Hill, probably the pick of the games in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where Mernda, well, they've done uh, well to get back in the finals race. Obviously a huge win that that was had over South Morang at the weekend, but if they can upset Panton Hill this weekend, well, the sky's certainly the limit. 
the Redbacks returning from the bye, of which Kilmore has the week off this weekend. But another interesting round coming up in round 12. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Heidelberg West, as you said, have to win this one against Reservoir. It would be disastrous. No disrespect to, to the Mustangs, but would be disastrous for the Hawks if they don't win. Uh, and uh, and, and Mernda and, and Panton Hill looks like the pick of the bunch in Division 3. Mernda on this run, as we said, best winning streak in quite a while, quite a few years. Um, and Panton Hill coming off the bye, having to travel now to Waterview Rec Reserve. Mernda um, won't go in as favourites. Panton Hill definitely the favourites in this one, but Mernda now with, with a much better chance, he would say now, looking at their recent form than maybe what we would have given them, say, a month ago. So they, they have the belief now heading into this game. And just wrapping up with a look at some of the women's results and looking at ANZ Division 1 women's and a crucial win for West Preston Lakeside in the top flight of our women's competition. They went, uh, they were at home rather and beat Bandura which means they're now only percentage outside of the top five in a, in a bid to play finals. VU Western Spurs continued their dominance in, in downing Diamond Creek women's which uh, was a, a top two game going in but VU Western Spurs uh, kicked 8-11 to win that one by 57 points and Darabin now moves up into second having beaten the Bendigo Thunder away in Bendigo so VU certainly dominating the first division but also in second division as well they were far too good for Diamond Creek in a battle between top and bottom so way too good there Eltham back amongst the winners downing St. Mary so they move into fifth spot on the ladder and back in the, the finals sorry into sixth spot but back in the finals race just the game outside having um, beaten the Borough now moving within four points of them and Heidelberg beat Darabin which keeps Heidelberg's top three hopes alive closing in within four points of the Falcons following a 14 point win at Warringal Park and into Mervac Division 3 where Hurst Bridge secured its second win of the year, downing Wallen. Uh, again, it's a top five final series there. So Hurst Bridge just a game out with pretty good percentage in their first season of women's football. So a crucial win for them. Reservoir also won its second game of the year, upsetting Mernda. So and we've actually got a situation where the side that's bottom only a game away from the finals as well, albeit with percentage included there. So interesting run into finals with still um, some significant amount of the season to be played. Lorimer went down to VU Western Spurs, giving the Spurs second spot on the table. And Greensborough, well, they were first going into their game against Mont went down to a shock loss, losing by two goals to the Magpies. Greensboro retains first spot on the ladder, just now one game ahead of VU with an inferior percentage. Montmorency with their win, jumping up into fourth spot on the ladder. So that's a look at the three women's competitions. Jordan, thank you for being part of the program once again. Pleasure. We know that uh, your commitments might limit uh, you going forward, but uh, we hope to, to still hear your voice uh, around the traps uh, at, at certain times throughout the season as well. Obviously, a big weekend coming up. Any particular game that uh, tickles your fancy and what's coming up this weekend? Uh, I can't pick a standout in Division 1 because they all have something riding on it. Um, so they've all, they all look great. I think McLeod v Heidelberg I think will be an interesting game. Um, that's That might be the one. And also West Preston and, and Greensboro. Um, uh, I, I like the look of Diamond Creek v Whittlesea in Division 2. I think there's a lot on that. Whittlesea coming off the, the win against Eltham. Diamond Creek off the draw against Fitzroy Stars. And, and uh, that top 
top six really in, in Division 2 is uh, is very tight. Only a couple of wins between second and sixth. So that might be the one to look out for, the Creekers against the Eagles. So big weekend coming up. Thank you for tuning in here. Once again, as we always say, do subscribe via the podcast app, but also do follow us uh, via www.nfnl.org.au. Everything from around the Northern Football Netball League there. Thank you for your company, and we look forward to you listening in again from next week. Thank you.